You're listening to AskDaryl.com. You've got questions, we'll get you the answers. AskDaryl.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 51 of the Ask Daryl podcast. The Ask Daryl podcast is where I, your host, Daryl Girardier, take your questions on social media, technology, and communications, all dealing with the church, and do my best to answer them in the most brief yet thorough way possible. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. This is a recording from a talk I gave a couple weeks ago at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Uh, I was supposed to do a talk on the sights and sounds of social media, but I decided to do something a bit different and talk a little bit about the future of social media and more or less how it affects the church and how it's disrupted a lot of our normal communication channels. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast, so I thought I'd share the entire session. So just to be forewarned, a couple things you need to know. Uh, one, there is some advertising on the front end of this session. Um, the NRB was kind enough to give me this uh, MP3 to share with you. So I didn't think it was fair to kind of strip out the ads. So there is about 10 minutes worth of ads at the beginning. So if you want to skip to where I'm at, um, probably jump in around say like the 10 or 11 minute marker and you'll hear my voice. And from then on, I speak for about 15, 15 to 20 minutes. And then we do a Q and a with myself. And then two other friends of mine, Dylan and Noah, who are from Bellevue Baptist out in Memphis, Tennessee, we do a live Q and a with the audience, which I think is really good as well. Cause you kind of get their perspective on some of the topics that we talked about. So here you go. This is an extra long episode of the Astro Podcast, but I think it's well worth it, and I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening. From the NRB, International Christian Media Convention, held February 23rd through the 26th in Nashville, Tennessee, this is a recording of the Church Media Summit, Sights and Sounds of Social Media committee member will come up to introduce our final speaker of the morning. You want to stay through this next event. I, yes, well, we do have some sponsors that are going to come up and talk real quick. If we could get both the NRB Network and uh, Blue Hat Technical Innovations, they're going to say hello to you real quick. And this is amazing because if you don't know about the NRB Network and you have a broadcast television ministry, I carry it 24 hours a day on one of my TV stations. It is a great network. You'd be very pleased to be in their neighborhood. Come on up if you would, Troy, and speak to us about NRB. Yeah, I'll be real quick because I know you guys are, are running. Schedules are tight today. NRB Network, we've been around for 10 years. We're happy to be a sponsor of Church Media. I think this is our second year doing this. Church media is a launching pad into television. I know a lot of folks are saying, look, we're, we're looking at the new frontier, Internet, streaming, IPTV, uh, video on demand. That's all good. But look at Nielsen's numbers. Go out on the web and search television. Television is still the largest audience base for video consumption. As a matter of fact, over the last two years, Video consumption on TV has increased, not decreased. It has increased. This year, uh, 2015, six and a half hours is the average consumption of television. That's a day. Six and a half hours, 49 and up. 17 to 49, which includes that, that coveted millennial group. 17 to 49 still watch four and a half hours of television. That's Broadcast television, cable television, satellite television, that's consuming TV in a traditional way. So if you want to look at church media as a launching pad to TV, give us a call. Go to nrbtv.org, and we'd be glad to help you out. Thank you for allowing us to sponsor. 
step on that. It's my tech side coming out. Can't have that happen. My name is David Roach. Hey, listen, no hecklers, please. This is awful. Uh, uh, my name is David Roach. I'm with Blue Hat Design, which is a division of technical innovation. We're uh, based in Atlanta, and uh, we're a nationwide company. We serve, uh, The Blue Hat Division is part of our broadcast group of, of TI, and we serve churches all over all over creation. We did a project for Dave Calhar last year in, in Bakersfield. We do a lot in the southeast. Um, um, talking to folks at Bellevue about some things for them. So uh, we we have been in, uh, been in the business for many many years. Uh, have a great relationship with a lot of lot of folks in, in the church industry and, and uh, ministry. Excuse me, I said industry. Anyway. Uh, you're really bothering me. This is my former boss, Ron Lambros, right here. So he is really, I'm going to get you. Anyway, <laughs> yes, we do. And I want to tell you what we're talking about. And I want you to come. you got to wait and listen to, to Larry, Noah, and those guys first. But when you get through, come down to the show floor to booth 917. You can see our mobile, our, our project uh, product we've got called TI Mobile Pro, which is what I'm, I'm product manager for that. And uh, it is a... Uh, Turkey uh, system for uh, started satellite church campus, so it's uh, everything you need: all the audio, video, lighting, staging, uh, everything, all the way down to my direct boxes and um, uh, guitar cables. And uh, you can roll it into a school gym or a, uh, a storefront and be up and running in less than an hour with this thing. So uh, we actually set it up the other day in 38 minutes. So. Uh, pretty cool system. Uh, we've got a little subset of that down there. I'd love to talk to you about it. And uh, But we uh, want to thank you guys for asking us to sponsor, by the way. And it's been a great, great experience for us here at NRB. Appreciate your time. And, and thank, I hope you get to come by and see us. We'd love to visit with you. Thanks. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, you guys are going to love this next session. It's going to be very interactive. So I want you to be ready to ask questions very quickly. I want to ask you guys again to please, we want all of you to be at our advisory committee meeting, which is at 3.30 in the, door, in the room directly next door. Uh, just come back up. We want to hear from you. We want to know how we can make this better. We want to know how we can make this something that you would want to come back to next year and really look at the format and content and the comments that you have that could help this to be an even better event next year. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce our next two speakers. And David? We have a bunch of these brochures back there that you need to take take one and look at. This is about what I just told you about. Sorry, Larry, had to interrupt you. Make sure to see David. (laughs) Uh, They're great. Blue Hat's great. Uh, We've been working with them on several projects, and so I think you'd really get a lot out of talking to them technically. Our next two speakers um, are guys that I'm really excited to introduce to you. Um, Daryl Girardier will be joining us. Uh, He is uh, the Digital Strategy Director at Brentwood Baptist Church right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And Daryl previously served as LifeWay's Creative Director and has extensive experience in social media and creative communication. Daryl is a prolific blogger um, who writes with a focus on helping churches expand their platform and communicate more effectively. And if you follow him on Twitter, you probably notice that he always has something cool coming out that he's talking about and doing uh, there. And then I'm also very excited to have Noah Sidholm, who is the online pastor and director of web and social media at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, same church that I'm at, actually. And Noah leads the web and social media team at Bellevue. And that is an area where we've seen exponential growth 
since it came under his leadership. So I'm very excited to welcome these two men. Will you please welcome Daryl Girardier and Noah Sidham. quick as possible. I know we're crunched on time here, and so uh, give me one second. web team and you're about to present something, you have to turn off all your notifications. Otherwise, your really funny young web team back at the church will send you tweets and messages while you present. <laughs> yes. So again, as I said before, I, I have a tendency to talk fast because I like to get things done, so bear with me here. I'll try to uh, get whatever southern drawl I have in me to slow things down. So um, I know, again, we're kind of a little bit crunched for time, but... thing, and if so, I'll fly without the slides. All right, we're going to go without slides. I can do that. Um, but let me do this, actually, first, because this was on the slide. Um, one of the things I get frustrated when we do presentations on social media is that the presentation itself is not very social. So I uh, we thought, Noah and I thought we'd make it social by doing, uh, letting you guys text in questions. So uh, here's the number we want you to text to. If you had a question throughout this presentation, text to 901-290-8515. That's So I'm going to do this without slides, so here we go. Um, today I'm going to talk about, about the current state of social media and where we sit and how that relates to, to basically the church media and what you do. Um, I used to work at Lifeway. It's a small publishing company you may have heard of. Um, my, actually, my former boss is in the audience. Um, and uh, I loved doing what I did there, creating media for churches. Um, however, I had this epiphany one day when I opened up YouTube, and I saw that basically the middleman was getting cut out, and people, people, and the kids in their garage doing stuff for their churches, which creating stuff, putting it online, and reaching massive amount of people in such a short window of time. And I had this thought of, this is this is where the future is going to sit. Um, it won't sit with big media conglomerates managing stuff. It's going to be the individual user uploading to YouTube, getting out on certain channels, and kicking it out the door. 
And so when I had that, I thought, okay, I need to, I need to have a couple conversations with my pastor. So I had a couple conversations, and uh, then a few months later, I was on church staff. So uh, that's kind of where my heartbeat is, is helping the church, um, helping especially churches that are trying to get into this and not sure where it stands and where to do, um, and kind of helping them kind of, kind of do that. Uh, so here's what the current state of social media sits right now. Uh, roughly, there are 1.5 billion monthly active users on Facebook. It's the big dog, okay? Number two is Instagram, with about 400 million. Um, and then Twitter sits around 305, uh, 305 million monthly active users. Now, the thing about Twitter is it's kind of flatlined. It was at 307 before that, now it's down to 305. Um, if you were placing bets on where, it was, where things are going to go, you place your money on Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat continues to grow month over month. Um, and that presents a whole new set of problems on the media side if you're creating pre-produced content. Um, we can talk about that later. But that's where we sit right now. We see this massive, tremendous amount of growth coming from these networks. Um, and they've created a whole lot of disruptive problems for us in terms of those of us who work in traditional church communication channels. They've disrupted a lot of things. So today I'm going to hit on three things that they've disrupted for us and how we can counteract that. And then we'll do dive into Q&A. Again, I'm going to try to move through this as quick as possible. First thing is, what social media has done so far is totally, totally fractured our attention. We have a massive, all of our channels have been fractured. If you think about it for a second, you had three channels in church communication world. You had your TV, possibly you had a TV broadcast. You had radio, and then you had print. You do those three things, get those three things out, and you pretty much are going to hit all your target audience. Okay, you may do a couple of mailers. And then all of a sudden we moved into email. But then social media came along, and we went from having these three distinct targets to all of a sudden those targets exploding. It gets even worse down the road, and it will get even worse for us when you look at Generation Z. I'm not talking millennials. I'm talking Generation Z. That's the generation that's coming after the millennials. Two factors uh, about them or two indicators for them that I think is going to be, give us a little bit of heartburn is this. is One, they have an eight-second attention span. Along with that is an eight-second filter. I'm going to give you eight seconds of my time. Either you get my attention. If you don't, I'm out the door. On to the next thing. Eight seconds. Second thing is, unlike millennials, which usually average about three screens at a time, Generation Z does five screens at a time. Now, any scientist worth their salt will tell you they're not paying attention to five screens all at the same time. Okay, that's multitasking, which we know scientists have told us Multitasking doesn't really exist. They are literally switching from back to screen, 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 screen. Again, that eight seconds kicks in. So think about it. If you rely on a traditional medium, TV, radio, and print, which we know Gen Z is not exactly really into, your message is getting lost. More than likely, a kid who's got five screens, two of those screens are probably social media channels. It's probably going to be Instagram on one and probably Snapchat on the other, or they're they're switching back and forth. So for us... Social media is really about getting into those areas and getting in front of Gen Z and getting their attention. Again, we've gone from these three tar- traditional targets to all of a sudden having multiple targets. Now, I'll be honest with you. As somebody who works in church communication world, this is a tremendous amount of work. Because what it's forced us to do is, is we have to take our content and we got to figure out how to disperse it amongst what used to be three different channels I am probably on average doing somewhere around 10 channels. If you want a really good insight into what that looks like, Fast Company just did, a, I think it's their cover article this month on BuzzFeed. And BuzzFeed talks about how they take all their video and all their content and they split it amongst Instagram, Snapchat, 
uh, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, and they break it on down for you. It's a really great article in depth on how they do and how they think through all those channels. The second thing, besides attention, is this, is that every single person in America has formed what we call a daily digital habit. A recent study said between 18 to 44-year-olds, first thing 80% of them do in the morning is check their phones. They roll out of bed, they check their phone. Probably majority of people in the room this morning, when you got up this morning, what did you do? You checked your phone. Now you either check email, check Facebook, Instagram, whatever, whatever it is that you have. But you have some sort of daily digital habit. The question is, is how is your church or your organization a part of that person's daily digital habit? What kind of content and what input are you putting in front of them that when the first thing they wake up in the morning, you are a part of that habit? To get like really tactical, the way I approach it for us is this, is I say we have one job, and that is to take the sermon that happens on Sunday morning and extend it throughout the week. So how do we do that? Well, pastor preaches on Sunday morning. And the reason why we do that, by the way, is because I believe the Sunday morning worship service is still the one communal thing that majority of our people do together. So it's a shared experience, and I want to take that shared experience, and I want to extend it throughout the week. So one of the easy ways to do that is, is our pastor preaches a sermon. I immediately have it transcribed. I take the transcription. I turn the transcription into blog posts. I take quotes from the transcription. I turn them into Instagram posts with quotes. I take the clips from the sermon, from the video, and take those and upload them directly to Facebook and YouTube as well. And that kind of gets us started throughout our week. And that carries us through about a 48-hour window all the way till Tuesday morning. Because once Wednesday comes, people don't care about the sermon. Okay, now they're thinking about the next week. And so then I have to shift our audience's attention to the next week. But my goal is, is how do I carry that worship service experience Monday through Friday? Because I want to be part of their daily digital habit. Okay, we have, a, we have an email devotional that goes out every single morning. Why? Because that's what I want people to do. I want people, to, first thing they open up in their inboxes, and they'll see something from Brentwood Baptist Church. How are we a part of their daily digital habit? The, again, the difficult thing about this is if you want to be part of somebody's daily digital habit, it requires you to have a 24-7 plan. 24-7 hours, seven days a week. It requires a plan that is going to force you to think in ways that's just beyond just your typical, uh, I'm thinking totally old school here, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night type of, type of thing. S- Southern Baptist world, that's what we do. So you have a daily digital habit. That's the second thing. The third thing is engagement. Now, we, when we look at social media, one of the key things I think a lot of people forget is, is that it requires a high amount of engagement. And part of the reason for that, churches, I think, sometimes struggle with that is when it came to engagement, we had a locked-in deal going on. It was really simple. You come to us. We don't have to go to you. Every Sunday morning, people showed up. So our engagement was really, really super simple. Okay, that's what we do. Then our engagement back to people was even easier. We again, uh, okay, excuse me, we had that Sunday, we had that Sunday morning, Wednesday night, we had those touch points of engagement. Of course, the issue is now is we know most of us will probably, if we really admit it, most churches will tell you that people have stopped giving you maybe two or three hours of time on Sunday morning and they'll maybe give you an hour. For us, we notice, so at Burma Baptist, what we notice is parents drop students off, kids off, they go to worship, and they come back, grab their kids, and they go home. So, being on campus, they're on campus for maybe an hour and 15 minutes tops. Okay, no longer is it Sunday night, Wednesday night as well. It's I'm going to give you an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. So our engagement with people has got to really shift in terms of how we think about how we engage people. Because those three touch points, the Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday, are gone. At the same time, our engagement back to people, as I said before, there's three channels. And a traditional 
Baptist world for me was you had the newsletter we mailed you, um, you got a bulletin, and when we got really fancy in 1995 and had an AOL account, we sent you an email. Okay? And that was our way of getting our stuff out to you. That was, you know, typical, uh, Seth Godin would say, push marketing. That's how we handled, that's how we handled our engagement. But that drastically changed. Because social media said, not only are you going to put content out, but I'm going to respond to that content. Just this week, Facebook launched a new emoticons. No longer can you just like a post. You can like it, frowny face, sad face, wow face. Um, I'm just waiting for one frowny face on the content our church publishes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a room and cry. Because um, I'm like, what do I do with that? Um, but people now expect not only their ability to engage with your content, but they turn around and expect you to engage with them. And I will tell you on a personal note where that struggle is for us as a church is that I'm having to retrain ministers because they don't cover this in seminary. Here's, a quick, here's two quick examples. Uh, approximately seven years ago, we had a young man die in the student ministry. His Facebook page, to this day, is still active. And students go still, still go to his Facebook page, and they still comment on it as if he was alive. Hey, missed you today. Hey, on your birthday, his wall gets lit up. So how do you help somebody deal with digital grief? Again, this is the type of engagement that people are now expecting and doing on a level that churches are just not used to. Second thing is this. We have a young adult ministry. It's phenomenal. I love it because we have young adults coming and asking questions that we, we assumed they thought the, we thought they knew the answers to. But one of the things we deal with is, is we have young adults come to us, and uh, they become believers. We say, you are a new creation in Christ. We walk them through all that. The problem is, is their previous life in college is completely um, has been basically curated and posted online on Facebook. So every stupid thing they've ever done in college is online. So imagine this. Imagine you were told you're a new creation in Christ, but everything you've, not everything, but a good portion of what you did that you're probably not proud of is still online. And you may not post it. Somebody else may have posted it. They might have just tagged you in Facebook. How do you tell people to deal with that? It's a different level of engagement that for us we're going to have to totally step back and rethink how do we deal with, how do we deal with that? How do we anticipate that? So people are looking for a new set of engagement. The other thing, and this is where I think for a lot of us in church media where the struggle is, is they're also looking to become co-collaborators or co-creators with you. In other words, they want something they can participate in. Uh, A a quick example in the slide I had was um, the indent movement, which is basically it's it's about uh, slavery. and basically, you put a red X and you just you hashtag it on Instagram, end it. What that allowed people to do is allow people to co-create. I'm going to be a part of something. Now, for a lot of us to come from highly produced ministries, that's difficult because we like to keep everything tightly contained and controlled. And all of a sudden, when I give assets over to people, logos, whatever it is, I give those assets back to people. And I tell you, guess what? You can co-create with us. For a lot of people, my, my boss, Steve Smith, who I love, I mean, he has a little palpitation. He's like, I don't know about that. But here's the thing. When it comes to Generation Z, here's what we've known about. Here's what we're learning about Generation Z. My wife is a student minister. She's been a student minister for 12 years now. And she'll tell me this about Gen Z. If you don't co-create and co-collaborate with them, they'll do it without you. They'll find a way to make it happen. So 
So my screen's online. Great. Right at the end. So we have this deal of engagement. So we go back to, again, it's attention. We have a daily digital habit. And people are asking for engagement. Engagement on a level that we're not used to. So the question is, how do we all that, how does all that play with church media? All right, so I gave you a phone number at the beginning. Um, the phone number was 901-290-8515. So now Noah and I are going to answer your questions. Good deal. And Dylan over here is going to be, uh, he's with us at Bellevue Baptist Church. He's going to be asking the questions that you guys send in, and we'll go from there. So I think we have our, a few already, and then just keep sending them in. We'll get to them. All right. Uh, the first one is for Daryl. Uh, can you go over again what, what you do with the message again in the different social media forms? Okay. So we take the message, um, and one of the reasons, one of the other reasons why we do this is because I tell my pastors, like, look, you spend X amount of hours on this, and we, I always get frustrated because we throw it up there once, you archive it, and, you know, I want it to live throughout the week. So what I do is I get a transcription, take the transcription, we will, on a good week, we'll turn it into blog posts. I'll take the blog post and I'll take key quotes from the blog post and I'll take I'll go into Instagram and I'll create, uh, create uh, basically uh, designed quotes around that to post on Instagram. Uh, we could do this. We could put that on Pinterest as well. Uh, I'll take clips from the video portion of the sermon and I'll take those and I'll put those post those on Facebook. And that by far has been our best performer in terms of Facebook. And here's a key thing: I upload it directly to Facebook. I don't go into YouTube and then cross post it. You upload it directly to Facebook. Side note. Upcoming more that you'll be dealing with the next two or three years if you're in church media is YouTube and Facebook will be competing for your video content. Uh, Facebook and YouTube. They are going to be competing for your content. They don't like each other. Okay, Google and Facebook don't like each other. And the reality is Facebook wants your video content. So when you post content on Facebook, don't ever embed a clip. Upload it directly to Facebook, and Facebook will reward you with their algorithm by getting your content in front of more people. It's still important to, to post to YouTube as well for other platforms like Twitter and and other things as well. All right. Uh, how can you use Snapchat as a church? We were just talking about this yesterday. We're, we're, we're struggling with this as well. We're actually, the struggle that we have at Bellevue and, and uh, Daryl has the same at Brentwood is for a while the student ministry has been telling people not to get on Snapchat and been telling par- uh, parents that's not a good platform for their children. Unfortunately, they are on, the children are on Snapchat and uh, it's gotten to the point where we can't avoid it anymore as a church. Uh, so Dylan and I actually have a meeting uh, with our next-gen pastors next week to kind of talk about what that Snapchat account looks like uh, for Bellevue. For us, what we're planning on doing, uh, and, and Dylan could probably speak to this a little better, but uh, uh, we're, we're not looking at following, uh, doing a thing with private messaging. That, that's a big thing on Snapchat. And for, if you're not familiar, Snapchat, you send a message 24 hours later, it's gone, or depending on what it is, if you do a private message, it could be gone in 10 seconds. Uh, so they have a story feature, and so that's what we're going to utilize in terms of posting content uh, to a, a mass audience. It dis- disappears 24 hours later, but we're not going to do anything with private messaging or anything that might could get into any situation where it might look like we're private messaging a student or they're sending something back to us that's being deleted. Yeah, we, we had a similar experience. I, I started a church Snapchat account without telling our student minister, who's my wife, um, so she comes home one night. She goes, "Did you start a Snapchat account for the church?" Yeah, why? Because I had a parent come up and you know was very upset about it. And so um, here's what we found about Snapchat: two things. One, the moment I started broadcasting the worship service, I had all these users watch, and I didn't know who any of them were, and they happened to be all students. So I realized I found where all of our students were hiding out. Two, with Snapchat, and this is the real problem with it: 
is it requires you to think in 24-hour cycles, and you cannot build an archive of content. Because your content's gone after 24 hours. So you have to be thinking in 24-hour content. And by the way, you, don't, you, you can't use preloaded content. So it's, to build a brand on Snapchat, you got to be willing to go in it 24-7. And so I will tell you, it's, for us, we've tried, and it's, it's an off-and-on experience. And from what I've seen as well, you may know differently, yeah. analytics are also gone after 24, 24 hours. So you don't know, after 24 hours, you don't know how well your last post performed. Uh, Daryl, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, a few different use cases of Snapchat. Like what, what kind of things are you Snapchatting at your church? Okay, Snapchat, the beauty of it is, is it forces you to be raw. So I will Snapchat, say, uh, the pastor sermon meeting with all of our pastors getting together. And it's a real quick shot behind the scenes. I love, to, I love, love to highlight volunteers. Our biggest thing we do on Instagram is we highlight volunteer. Um, so I will do behind the scenes of volunteers. Uh, I try to keep it really like, and it's goofy. We do stupid stuff. I mean, because I want people to, we're known as a very formal church. And so I'm trying to make us less formal. Snapchat's one way to do it. Cool. Uh, let's see. Is there a way you can centralize how you manage all social media channels and push content to them? If so, what tools might you recommend? Yeah, for, uh, at Bellevue, there are a lot of tools out there depending on the, the need of your church. Uh, at Bellevue, we're currently using Sprout Social. Uh, it's a premium uh, paid service, but it, it does what we need to do. Uh, the, the biggest feature we like in there is with the, the, the smart inbox, what they call it. So whether somebody sends us something on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram, it all goes into one feed in order of when we received it. And then Dylan and I both have access, and we can, we can just hit those as they come in, and we can uh, check them as complete, and they come out of our list. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Instagram uh, doesn't let you post, really. There's some apps that will let you do it, but those will probably get pulled or, or blocked soon. Um, they don't let you do Snapchat or anything, any of the more obscure, uh, the sideline uh, social media networks. So for us, it's Sprout, Sprout Social, but it's mainly just Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on there. Sprout, S-P-R-O-U-T, social. The, the other cool thing with some of these uh, social media platforms is that you can, you can listen in on conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for instance, somebody's talking about Bellevue Baptist Church, but they don't tag us on Twitter or Facebook at Bellevue Memphis. We can still see what they're talking about because they've mentioned Bellevue. So you could set up keywords that, uh, that go within a certain mile radius of, of your church or wherever you are. Uh, and that way you can listen in on, on what people are saying about you. And with Sprout, all of those things that we're listening for also show up in our, in our smart inbox so that we're able to hit them in order that we got them uh, and as quickly as possible. And I think uh, you guys use Hootsuite? We use, we use Hootsuite um, partly because it, it's a little easier for us to manage multiple campuses. We have five campuses, so at each campus we treat like a separate church. Um, for Instagram, we use a service called Grum, that's G-R-U-M dot C-O, and that lets you post from the desktop. Um, how they do it, I don't know, the servers are somewhere in Eastern Europe, but it works. Um, for now. For now. Um, and now that so, you just announced it, it's no, probably yeah, shut probably down. Won't. Um, so, but we use, we use geolocation search, and we search, for, you know, if somebody five kilometers says Brentwood Baptist, you know, we use Hootsuite. It's got a lot of those features as well. And one thing we do with listening as well is whenever somebody mentions, you know, we're based in Memphis, Tennessee. So whenever somebody on Twitter specifically mentions that they're on their way to Memphis, heading to Memphis, use those keywords. We're listening for those as well, no matter where they are. Uh, and we're welcoming We do a welcome to our city. You know, hey, have a great time in Memphis. Let us know if you need anything while you're here. And we see a lot of great engagement off of that. Yeah. Yeah. G-R-U-M dot C-O. All right. Uh, is Periscope dead? 
did Facebook Live take its place? Um, I, I don't think so. I, uh, as a church, we've seen better engagement uh, overall on Facebook Live, but as a we, we, but we see our, our highest engagement at Bellevue has been consistently on Facebook. Uh, but Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, or not Instagram, uh, Periscope, we've been seeing more and more engagement on Periscope as we've been more intentional with it. I think, I think with, uh, with Periscope, we maybe need a little more rhythm than we've been doing, maybe a little more consistently, consistency week to week. Um, we were talking yesterday over about Twitter, you know, who owns Periscope. Uh, and just about the future of it. We, we've seen declining numbers on, on Twitter, and uh, I think everybody has. Uh, so this will be a pivotal year for Twitter to see if they if they survive this year, what happens to them. And I think Periscope will go with it either way. All right. Uh, Daryl, you had mentioned that uh, once you take the transcript, you kind of use those that copy to post for the next 48 hours to get you through Tuesday. Uh, what about Wednesday to Sunday? Assuming my pastor has got his notes together, and I love my pastor. I don't, in way, no way I want to disparage him. I mean, he's, I love him. He tries really hard with social media. I will tell you this one time, side note, he got Pinterest and Instagram confused, and he said pentagram. He goes, <laughs> he goes I know you're in your, your social network on your pentagram, and we went. <laughs> so uh, anyway, all that to say, if he's really good, and, he, it, and this is something we're trying to help him get in the practice of, and I'm asking a lot of him. I understand for him. I'm asking a lot to get those notes early. If I can get those notes early, then I can turn around and start. I can start. I don't mimic his voice by any stretch, but I can start thinking through how to prompt our people for the next week. So a big thing that we do at Bellevue, too, I mean, we, we tend to take quotes and, and use those throughout the week, but uh, we're kind of, we kind of want to be weary about posting too many advertisements on Facebook. You know, uh, we, try to, we try to limit the, hey, come out to this next event, come out to this event, come out to this event. And post more content that people want to see. They tend to engage with that a little bit better. I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, with the uh, f- Facebook algorithm that you, they use for news feeds, uh, the more people that like your stuff, the more people are going to see your stuff. So if, you're, if nobody's interacting with your stuff on a, on a consistent basis, not very many people are going to see it. On the same note, if you don't post anything for a week, e- even though it's, it, the lack of engagement is due to lack of posting, you still get hurt in that algorithm. So one thing we do is we try to have very uh, a lot of consistency on Facebook and how often we post two, three times a day, try to hit certain marks. And uh, as what he was saying about uh, advertisements, no matter how good the advertisement or the event, we just don't get very good engagement on it. So if that's all we're posting, then the algorithm's going to look at that and see that. So what we do is we try to post one advertisement or event promotion or, hey, come do this, for maybe about every other uh, nine or ten just straight-up good content things, a quote, a Bible verse, a good picture, and we get a lot of engagement on those. Some of those, uh, we had a picture of our crosses that we have outside of our building had a, a reach of 500,000 people a few weeks ago. Uh, so when we get that kind of engagement on that, it, it brings those announcements and those, hey, check this out. It brings those up to show to a lot more people because we've been consistently getting more engagement on other posts. Yeah, okay. How do small churches recruit volunteers to utilize social media for the church? I'll let Daryl take this one. Thank you. All right, so that's a great question, Um, uh, twofold. First off, it requires a a tremendous amount of listening because I've got to listen to figure out, okay, who is on social media naturally just does that to begin with. So we have one campus where I've got somebody who already has a marketing background, and they love marketing, and they just have to be good at social media, and we've just noticed that. So it was just a matter of us going, hey, 
can you help handle this campus because we physically can't be there? And there's kind of a natural fit. Other times, it's people that we have to train up, that I'm going to have to do a little coaching, that um, help them understand who we are. And I actually have a, uh, we actually have a document that they sign that kind of walks them through what we ask them to do. Um, but for us, we did a typical broadcast on social media, like, hey, if you love Brentwood Baptist, you want to be part of our, our volunteer team, come on board. Um, we've gone that route, and then we just, honestly, though, the best thing for us has been is when, when we've gone to our other ministers and said, who do you know who's this really good, high extrovert, loves people, gets us, if you will, and they gave us a list of names, and we just went after those names. And one thing we're trying to do right now, right, which uh, Dylan was counting and looking the other day, from what we can find, Bellevue has about 40 Facebook pages uh, for different ministries where we, and we don't know, we didn't know about most of them. So we're going through a lot of those and trying to filter them out and get rid of them. But what we're trying to teach our ministries is that it would be better for, you know, five, six people in your ministry to be posting about what's happening within your ministry than it would be for a, uh, a Bellevue adult ministry or a Bellevue young adult singles ministry to be posting about it on Facebook. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, I would rather hear Dylan say, hey, you should check this out, than for a company to say, hey, come check us out. Uh, do posting times matter on Facebook and Instagram? I'll take Facebook. I'll let you take Instagram. Okay. Uh, Facebook for us, um, like I mentioned, that algorithm, it messes with it a little bit because you're not necessarily seeing a, a list of what was just posted. You're, you're kind of seeing what Facebook thinks that you would want to see. I think Katie on the Digital Media Summit was talking about how the average person, if Facebook showed you everything that they could show you on one day, uh, you're looking at between three and 4,000 pieces of, of uh, or th- three to 4,000 posts. So they try to show you about 200 posts a day, two to 300. Uh, so uh, the more important than posting time, I think, on Facebook is that consistency and getting up in that algorithm and in their newsfeed. But for us, we try to post first thing in the morning so that they wake up, maybe find some kind of inspiration, like a Bible verse or something like that. And then usually mid-afternoon and in the evening, we try to post something else, a picture or, or, or a quote or, or something from the sermon. Uh, for us, it's twofold. I, um, I, always, I always try to do Instagram between the hours of 7 and 9 a.m. when people are first getting up and getting ready to roll out the door, and then at 7, 9 p.m. at night when they maybe are watching television or sitting around just relaxing. Those are two times where I try to hit it hard. Um, but I would tell you that's Monday through Friday. Um, Saturday, if it's not SEC football, um, SEC football, we learn just stay away from Saturday. Um, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday morning, I'll post during the worship service. Um, then we get a lot of good response from that. Um, and then Saturday is a bit of a hit or miss. It, it just depends on what time. It's, it's, it's more seasonal. But Monday through Friday for us, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and then 7 p.m., 9 p.m. And like Daryl was mentioning earlier about those multiple screens that people are, are engaging content on, uh, when you find those times where people are probably after dinner kind of sitting at home entertainment, they're going to be bouncing between those screens. So that's a great time to try to, to catch them and be part of that digital habit. How are you doing the graphic design for your image quotes on Facebook and Instagram? So I use um, Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Canva is completely free. Uh, you can use Canva for work if you want to be really fancy. And if you're a church, you get that for free. C-A-N-V-A dot com. And it's a really, really great tool um, by which you can basically really create graphics. Is my screen live? Oh. Okay, I thought they were going to okay. Uh, I was going to show you it real quick. Um, but anyway, we create all the graphics there super quick. Don't need Photoshop. I can go, go, go. If I'm on my phone, I use two different apps, Adobe Post 
which Adobe created that, that's geared towards social media. And the other one is Word Swag. Um, Word and then Swag, S-W-A-G. Uh, those are two iPhone apps that, that we use. Yeah, we, we use the same. We were on using Word Swag pretty heavily. Uh, but uh, when Adobe Post came out, we, we jumped on that. We've been super happy with it. It's completely free. Yeah, Adobe Post is awesome. Uh, okay, I understand desiring to reach the next generation where they're at, but do you use digital media to try bringing about more real-life fellowship? I, I think a, an assumption there, and, and, and this is a, a twist in my mindset as well, so I, I'm still trying to grasp with this, but uh, um, younger you know, Gen Z uh, and all these people are finding and, and, and really believe that they're finding a lot of real fellowship and, com, and com, uh, community online. Uh, and so uh, what even I, even as a millennial, are, I'm not quite there. Maybe it's just because I grew up in the church and I've been Southern Baptist my entire life. Uh, you know, coming to church for me is, is a big deal. Uh, but what a lot of churches and a lot of ministries are seeing is that people uh, actually prefer the online experience because they feel like they're not getting, they're not one in, you know, 5,000 people in this, in this worship service. You know, they get a little more uh, attention specifically online. And so for me, uh, uh, that, that, that's why it's important for us to have the, uh, the iCampus, if you will, and be able to chat with people and acknowledge people when they're on there is that people feel like they, uh, they are making that connection, and, and they are, and, and I've already seen community being built around the chat on our uh, Internet campus. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, for, I think it enhances. I don't think it replaces. I don't think it ever can replace. I mean, I tell ministers all the time, if you feel like you're getting into a conversation that you really can't have online, move it offline. Um, I just, I, I, I think there's only so much it can do. I mean, we're not talking about online campuses, that kind of thing, but... Um, I think an online campus can only do so much. I think at the end of the day, there is something about human beings being together in the same room. Mm-hmm. And um, as much as I love social media, it can't replace that. Yes. So how do you move somebody who's grieving online to more of a to, to move it offline, if you will? Yes. I'll jump in here with one example real quick. Uh, we have a, a lady that watches online our online services uh, named Stacy. She's been homebound for about eight or nine years. Um, finally, uh, about a, about six months ago, found Bellevue Online has jumped right in and and uh, for the first time in about eight years as part of a church uh, and had that where she she didn't have that before. Uh, we interact with her every week on the chat, but also during the week through email. Um, and uh, Dylan and I, a few, a few months ago, went down and visited her. We're looking at doing it again, trying to create that, that real-life engagement uh, based on the, uh, the online interaction. But uh, from what I've seen, uh, we're able to, with Stacy build a, a good relationship with her um, online week to week. And, and so whenever we met with her, that, that relationship just kind of, it was there, even though I'd never seen her before in my life. Uh, we, we felt like we knew each other. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you're asking. But for, uh, for us, uh, we've been able to build strong relationship with people online. Uh, but then when we come offline with them, it, it, the relationship is there. And it's not, it's not weird or different or anything. It was just it was like we've known her for a while. 
So uh, another thing that we can that we can do a, a lot of times we'll have people message us on Facebook. You know, they'll they'll tell us a story about something that they're going through. Uh, so we can then take that opportunity and kind of point them to our biblical counseling department, uh, and then they can go into the church from there and find help uh, through them. I think we we're running out of time. If we can just do one more question, then we'll all right. We'll be done. Uh, do you use a social media calendar? What does that look like, and how often do you update it? Daryl's your guy for this. Okay, so let me give you this super short version of a long drawn out process for how this works. Um, we actually have a master calendar for all of our church communications. We call it the key dates calendar. It has every major message the church is doing. And then on that major message calendar, it has everything that's going to be in our countdown to worship video and then everything in the bulletin. And then from that, what are the major social media messages? We take that section and then I go into Hootsuite and Hootsuite actually has a calendar built out and I actually plug everything into Hootsuite. So Hootsuite keeps our main social media calendar. So I have like a, you know, a 30, 60, 90 day window of where we're going. Uh, we plan 30 days out. Uh, we kind of know we're going to be 60 and 90 days out to a certain degree. So we kind of have some things, but I really like to keep us no more than 30 days out because I want the ability to pivot if we have to real quickly. The other thing is, is um, the other caution to have with people who just rely on all the automation of the social media calendars is, is that you um, have a tendency not to keep in touch with real life events that are going on and all of a sudden you use the wrong hashtag at the wrong time and things get really awkward. Um, so, uh, so anyway, calendaring is really important, but keep in mind that um, on a weekly, if not 24-hour basis, we're constantly reviewing that to make sure we're on point. And I'll say two things about that. Uh, we, we try to schedule stuff out as well. The, the stuff that we've seen has gotten the most engagement, though, has been the spur of the moment stuff for us. So it's important for us to keep that consistency and to get the, uh, the, the engagement on a regular basis to have that kind of stuff scheduled out. But when we're driving home and we see a, a nice sunset behind our building or uh, a, just a cool shot, taking a shot of those and posting it has by far been the most engagement that we've seen on any post. Uh, second thing, one thing we're doing as we try to, to, to pull away some of the other ministries, the sub-ministries of the church, these Facebook pages, uh, we had the conversation the other day, and they're like, well, we need an, an outlet on social media. And what they didn't understand is that Bellevue Memphis, our main Facebook page, is their outlet. So one thing that we're looking at experimenting with doing is giving them access to schedule stuff onto, in, in Sprout Social or whatever platform you're using. To be able to schedule stuff out onto the calendar, it comes to either Dylan or I for approval. We can tweak it around, move it, or we can send it back and say, hey, let's do this so that, so that we, they can start getting a feel for what we're looking for and so they can start giving us good content. And then we can look at it, see where it fits. They say, oh, we want that Monday at 3 o'clock. Well, that, that works for us, so we'll just approve it. Or we can say, let's move it down to 6 o'clock and, and post it there because we have something we really want to do at 2 o'clock. That's a, a, bigger, a, a bigger church-wide message. So that's what we're experimenting with right now, trying to, trying to uh, get that calendar going a little better. Thank you guys very much. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a question for me, head over to askdaryl.com. That's A-S-K-D-E-R-E-L.com. Or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at D-G-I-R-A-R-D-I-E-R. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to askdaryl.com. Don't forget, if you've got questions, go online and submit them to askdaryl.com.